Welcome to African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement. I'm your host, Marie Strader. The other night, I saw something very disturbing online. It was a video posted by a reporter of a child who could not have been more than four or five, rubbing the front genitalia of a biological male dressed in drag. And this all to the delight of the adults falling all over themselves to film this event. Now, imagine, if you will, if a man took a child to a strip club, one hopes that someone would investigate. But because it's all under this brand new shiny umbrella of diversity and inclusion, which does not include including any Christian perspectives, by the way, um, you know, children are being co-opted and corrupted into this new way of thinking and normalizing behavior that is not normal by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, uh, it is still categorized as a mental illness, gender dysphoria, in the most recent DSM-5. Parents and the church must stand up and begin to speak out on these issues. We do have the right to free speech. We do have the right to redress grievances. Two of the reasons that I co-founded ACONS. Um, meekness means strength under control because, you know, a lot of times they'll say, well, you Christians are supposed to be meek and tolerant and turn the other cheek. You know, Jesus came to change the world. He did not come to put his stamp of approval on the world. He loves us. He does not always love our choices. We must surrender our will to his. And so this whole cudgel that the left uses to try to whip us into shape by saying we have to be tolerant. You know, they say that Christians should not be involved in political issues. Well, these are not political issues. These are kingdom issues with eternal consequences. So Christians must speak up, stand up, um, and we have to vote. We have to encourage others to vote and we can activate others to do the same. And we must, otherwise our children, our grandchildren, and the generations after them will be forever lost. Today's guest, and I call it Alan West Day. I'm, I'm excited. I love this day every month when our guest is here. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan B. West is a combat veteran of the United States Army where he served in uniform for 22 years. He was a member of the 112th Congress, serving as a representative from Florida. Further, he served as chairman for the Republican Party of Texas, a gubernatorial candidate for Texas, and he is currently the executive director of the American Constitutional Rights Union. He is the author of three books and the host of the Steadfast and Loyal podcast. Welcome back to the show, Alan. It's good to be back with you, Marie. Thanks so very much. You had a very strong monologue there. Thank you very much. You recently posted, quote, I have a question about all this sexualization and exposure of children to adult pornographic performances. Where are child protective services? So it is fine to take young children, minors, into venues displaying sexually explicit material. We have entered into an area of depravity since we are now being told that pedophiles are just minor attracted persons. The progressive socialist leftists are waging a war against our children. This is intolerable, end quote. What explains this sudden transgender phenomenon that includes such things like all-age drag shows? Mm -hmm. Well, I can't explain it. That's the whole point of it. Uh, you know, it's, it's immoral. 
It is unbelievable. It is unethical. I mean, everything that you would see as being wrong. And I think this whole sexualization of our children has gotten so far out of hand. And this is a phenomenon that all of a sudden in the last, what, two to three years just came out of nowhere. And I think that this goes back to, once again, the secular humanists, the leftists, trying to undermine any sense or semblance of right and wrong. And Isaiah 520 talks about that, about, you know, woe be to those who will call good evil, evil good, uh, light darkness, darkness light, and would exchange sweet for bitter and bitter for sweet. And that's where we are right now. So who could stand up and say that it is perfectly fine for a young girl to be at a drag queen show and touching the genitalia of a, 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 a biological male dressed up as a woman. I, I mean, where is child protective services? You know, the parents that are exposing their kids to these type of things, would they take them into a, a pornographic uh, store or would they expose them to pornographic material? They are. So why are we allowing this to happen? Just the same as why are we allowing the child gender modification, mutilation, and surgical procedures on our kids, hormonal therapies, puberty blockers, castrations, all of these things on our kids. And when I hear about in the state of uh, Arizona, where they have a taxpayer-funded chat room, where children who are minors who are confused about their sexuality can go online and talk with adults without parents knowing. And also, guess what? I just read that's happening here in the Lone Star State, in the state of Texas, where we did nothing to stop child gender modification procedures and surgeries and mutilations and puberty blockers and hormonal therapies. And now we have this chat room set up where kids, minors can go and talk to adults. And this whole thing about minor attractive persons, we just had a teacher in El Paso, Texas, that was fired because this teacher was telling the students in the class, underage kids, minors, that you don't refer to pedophiles as such. You refer to them as minor attractive persons. We're trying to normalize sexual behavior of adults with children. And I can't think of anything that's more wrong than that. And, you know, it's interesting that you say that because over the weekend I was with Riley Gaines, who was the NCAA swimmer who swam against the uh, male who -hmm. goes by the name of Leah Thomas. And uh, they were talking. uh, Kim Jones was also there. And she was mentioning that the new NCAA rules are that you can't use the word woman. (laughs) You know, they're they're trying to erase. gender altogether uh, to to make this point. And it's, well, it's absolutely insane, it's, it's which doesn't silly. make sense. Well, it's, yeah. it's silly because it comes back to the Judeo-Christian faith heritage. God wasn't smart enough to just, you know, make man or woman. We can create whatever we want. We can be whatever gender that we decide. And so it is um, undermining his omnipotence and omniscience. Yes. And so if he couldn't get male and female, man and woman right, well, then doggone, uh, you know, he can't get the weather right because we control the climate. As a matter of fact, Amy Klobuchar just came out and say, vote for Democrats and we'll stop hurricanes. I mean, how absurd is that? But the whole point being is that if, if God cannot create male and female, man or woman, Adam and Eve, then how is it that he endows you with these inalienable rights of life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness? Or as John Locke said, property. So therefore, we the secular humanists, we, government with a little g, we can come in and we can, based upon our own ideology, we can determine what a right and freedom is. And let me tell you how really absurd it has gotten. The United States Air Force Academy just last week came out with their new gender neutral language. Cadets cannot even say mom and dad anymore. And cadets at the Air Force Academy are supposed to, you know, inquire of a person what pronoun they'd like to be referred to as. This is going off the rails, off the charts. And I think that this is a great issue for this midterm election because either you stand on the side of good or you're supporting evil. That's absolutely right. And for the record, my pronouns are Her Majesty, you know, and Her (laughs) Royal Highness. So, you know, it might as well. But, you know, that's crazy because here's my 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 pronoun is knucklehead. Uh, (laughs) And that's gender neutral. You can use knucklehead <laughs> for anybody, okay? But you know what's crazy? Yeah. Is here's the thing. If there's no such thing as woman, then how can a man identify as one? 
Oh, you're really hurting my head now. But but I mean, again, there's no such thing as, you know, a mother is just birth giving birthing people or whatever. This is a complete... person's capable of giving birth. Yeah. But now you had that professor, I think, from UCLA that was testifying in a Senate hearing before Josh Hawley. And he asked if, you know, she believed the man could get pregnant. And obviously she does. And, and then she says by him asking that question, he is, you know, bringing forth violence. So you can't even ask the question. <laughs> we have a Supreme Court justice now, a person that's yes. supposed to be able to interpret our law saying that she can't explain what a woman is. So Joe Biden just nominated you as the first black woman. So wh who are you that Joe Biden is nominating? Are you just a first black thing? I, I don't know. It it's just so confusing. But look, the devil is the author of confusion. That is right. and, and that's exactly what we see happen. And Christians just need to go about their business doing what we do and ignoring this foolishness. I mean, speaking up about it, absolutely. Speaking out about it, absolutely. But not giving in, as we are seeing some in the pulpit do by capitulating. And um, as we saw uh, a uh, quote unquote church uh, youth minister who is uh, co uh, subscribing to some of this nonsense and bringing forth some of these drag shows and all of this kind of stuff. We just can't give way to any of that. We have to stand our ground. No, as a matter of fact, again, it, it's amazing. Here in Texas, Katy, Texas, First Christian yep. Church yep. is having drag queen bingo. Yes. Uh, it, it is having two different segments. Uh, it's, it's for uh, 18 and under and then 18 and over. So I don't know what the 18 and over show is going to hold, but that's a church. <laughs> Yes. A, a church is having drag queen bingo. And then you have mm -hmm. a youth minister, a pastor that is standing up and saying that he supports these obscene and pornographic materials that are in school libraries. This, this is unconscionable to me. And again, this is in a state where everyone believes that, well, Texas is strong and this would never happen in Texas. Yeah, it, it, it is yeah. happening right here. And the critical thing about Texas, when you look at education, the Texas State Board of Education, because, you know, the amount of books and, and things that are bought here, we really set the stage for the rest of the nation. And so the education decisions that are being made here in Texas have a huge consequence and ramification for the rest of the nation. Well, and, you know, one of the things that you have said for a number of years now is that the most important elected position is the school board. And we are seeing that in the stand that parents, I'm sorry, domestic terrorists are taking <laughs> yeah. at these school board meetings. Well, they have to. And again, coming back to what you said about Christians being engaged and being involved, you know, Romans 12 and 2 says that you know, the body of Christ, you're not supposed to conform to the world. You're supposed to transform it through, through the mind of, of Jesus and uh, bring about his will. You know, there's a permissive will out there that God is going to allow us to have, but there's a perfect will that we should try to achieve and attain. You know, we're, we're flawed. We're humans. We're never going to be perfect. The only perfect person that walked this earth was Jesus Christ. But there's a perfect way, a perfect will. And bringing children to drag queen story hour or, you know, drag shows that ain't perfect in any way, shape, form or fashion. And, and I think that these parents, you know, their, their responsibility should really be questioned because this is irresponsible what they're doing. That's absolutely right. Now, what is your take on the recent events on Martha's Vineyard and the left's <laughs> response yeah. likening it to human trafficking kidnapping and comparing it to the Holocaust? Well, I would say they need to make sure that they bring all of those charges and accusations against President Joe Biden. Where were all these people when, and it still continues on to today, but the planes were landing in the middle of the night in Westchester County, New York, and Nashville, yep. Tennessee, and Jacksonville, Florida. The buses were, you know, all over the place, Louisiana, you name it. But now all of a sudden when it exposes them and it is showing up in their backyard. And if you say you're a sanctuary city, then <laughs> don't you want to have illegals? Shouldn't you be happy to have illegals there? I mean, you're saying, come here. We're a sanctuary city. We're a sanctuary state. But the hypocrisy of the leftist elite saying that uh, uh, we don't really want you guys here. And guess what? They brought in the National Guard, the military in Massachusetts, to remove those illegals there from Martha's Vineyard. 
But yet they're telling us here in Texas, we can't use uh, the National Guard. We, we can't right. do anything to protect our border, 1,254 miles. And we have seen close to 3 million illegals that have come into this country, 800 to 900,000 gotaways. We don't even know what they are. And you've heard me say this before, that number 800 to 900,000 is greater than the combined active duty strength of the United States Marine Corps and the United States Army right now. Mm-hmm. That that to me is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But and so when you look at these elitists, they just showed how hypocritical they are. 50 individuals, just 50. <laughs> and the fact that, you know, former President Barack Obama would come out and start talking about racism, well he's got a vacation home there at Martha's Vineyard. Why mm-hmm. did he put them up in his vacation home? You know, I didn't see him come out and say, no, this is not right. We should keep them there in Martha's Vineyard. We can find jobs. We can take care of them. No, he was part of the crew that said, get out. Well, it's all part of the rules for the, not for me, mentality that we see. So now speaking of human trafficking, our home state of Texas houses the two top cities in the nation. Uh, the Biden administration has enabled this with their full board, full open borders agenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, some border states are taking some action, um, but is there anything that ordinary citizens can do to combat this evil? Well, I think the ordinary citizens have to see something and say something when it comes to sex trafficking, which is absolutely horrific. And, uh, you know, I live in Dallas County, just about 15 miles outside of downtown Dallas. And Dallas is the second uh, highest city for sex trafficking. Houston, Texas is number one. That should not be the case in Texas. And we do have about 35 now uh, counties across the state of Texas, many of them border counties, that have declared this as as an invasion, but yet we have the governor of Texas that is refusing to do so. We have a drug, a human and sex trafficking crisis. And of course the left is playing political games with this, but someone has to solve this. I mean, we should not, no one should be transporting illegals all across the United States of America. And the constitution is very clear about the duty and responsibility, the fact that the federal government is supposed to guarantee that every state in the union a protection from invasion. And if they fail in that duty, article one, section 10, clause number three of the constitution says exactly what states are able to do. And why are we not doing it? You got to ask the people in charge, but the American people need to step up and start making sure that they can protect themselves against this scourge that it seems that no elected official really wants to deal with in the constitutional way. That's right. Now, as a former uh, member of Congress and a veteran, give us your impression of forgiving student loans for individuals making less than $125,000 a year. And then very shortly afterwards, telling those who choose to serve in the military that they must apply for food stamps. It's infuriating, Marie. It is absolutely infuriating. Uh, when you look at these statistics, we're talking about relieving college student student loan debt of people that are in the uh, top 5% of, uh, you know, earnings. That, that to me is unconscionable. But yet you look at a, a young enlisted soldier, sailor, airman, marine, coast guardsman that is out there on Freedom's Frontier. I mean, think about what's going on right now. A hurricane is hitting down in South Florida. Think about the Coast Guard and what they have to do to protect those shores, protect people and keep them safe. But yet they can't even provide food to their own families. And so when you see soldiers, uh, because that's where this emanated from, soldiers being told to go and apply for a su- supplemental nutrition assistance program, but yet we're sending billions of dollars. And, and I get it. You know, I, 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 Vladimir Putin has invaded a sovereign country, but we're sending billions of dollars to them to help them protect their border. We're not protecting our border. And oh, by the way, our soldiers are being told to go on food stamps. This is an upside down world. And what is even more disconcerting is that the commander-in-chief of our armed forces, which is the most important title of the president of the United States of America and and the responsibility, he has not said anything about it. He has not shown any outrage whatsoever. And oh, by the way, we just found out recently, based upon a report from the University of Alabama in conjunction with Duke University, that we're not losing 20 to 22 veterans on average per day in the United States of America to suicide. We're losing 37. Oh, 
Oh, that was a pretty um, stable statistic for a number of years. And of course, one is one too many. Um, but that was a pretty stable statistic. But to make that big of a leap mm -hmm. in such a short period of time is staggering. Well, you think about it, Marie, you have homeless veterans that are sitting around and watching everyone bend over backwards for people yes. that are here illegally, giving yes. them, you know, $1,300, $1,400, giving them free cell phones, making sure they're taken care of. But yet our veterans are, are homeless, our, our, our soldiers and men and women in uniform being told to go on food stamps, you know, while the American taxpayer is having to foot the bill for people that are here illegally. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, they're very distraught and sadly they're taking their lives because they don't think anyone cares. Well, and wasn't it just recently uh, that we were talking about them not having even porta potties and, and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Down it's, at the border yeah. uh, for the Texas uh, army national guard did not have the ability to go out and relieve themselves properly. Did not have porta potties. Many of them were not getting paid on time. Some of them were having to show up with their own personal weapons because they weren't issued a weapon. Now, I want you to understand something. We're fighting an insurgency, really, yes. along the border of Texas. I mean, we're going up against uh, non-state, non-uniform belligerents who are conducting combat operations, well-armed, well-equipped, and our soldiers down there in the Texas National Guard don't have the right rules of engagement. They are not able to protect themselves like they should, and the cartels really do control the border zone on either side of the Rio Grande. And, and so, again, all of these things are causing and we saw a spike in suicides with yes. the Texas Army National Guard. Yes. And, and we reported on that. This is just a sad state of affairs in every way, shape, form or fashion. House uh, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy has released a list of principles for House Republicans that he calls the commitment to America. Mm -hmm. Are you encouraged or discouraged by the memo as to the sort of uh, majority the GOP will be if they retake the House in November? Well, it's kind of like they did something, but it, it really wasn't a whole lot of something. If you want to make the comparative analysis between this commitment uh, to America and the contract with America, which Newt Gingrich had, it, the contract with America was very specific. The contract with America was tied to pieces of legislation that had been filed that the uh, a new Republican majority promised that they would get passed within the first 100, uh, 150 days of being in the majority. And guess what? They did it. And so that's the thing that a lot of people are concerned about is that, sure, you're saying that this is a commitment, blah, 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 more rhetoric, more words. New Gingers contract with America was like two pages. Uh, this commitment to America, you know, I, I looked at it. I mean, it's all over the place. And uh, it, it takes you about, you know, half an hour to an hour to be able to sift through. I mean, it's multiple pages, which I think that's one of the things we should get rid of, these large bills that we know nobody reads. Like Nancy Pelosi said, we have to pass a bill in order to find out what's in it. So I would have loved to see something a little bit more specific, something that is tied to a, a certain time period uh, that will be enacted that the American people can believe in. On social media, you correctly pointed out recently that, quote, uh, pundits and prognosticators are asserting that Democrats will find political success in focusing on murdering unborn babies in the womb by dismemberment up to birth as a primary issue. Matter of fact, California and Maryland are advocating murdering babies after birth. It's, that's called infanticide, a rather extremist position, end quote. Yet one does not see the word abortion in the commitment to America. Is the GOP sufficiently representing the pro-life view, in your opinion? No. As a matter of fact, we just heard the Texas Speaker of the House in conjunction with Karl Rove talking about in the next legislative session, they're going to rework the uh, Texas laws on murdering unborn babies to, because they think it's too tough. Look, let me tell you something. Uh, the, the Democrats, the left... They have made Republicans, not conservative Republicans, afraid. And I think that this is an issue that if you want to show the real extremists, you bring this out. I mean, think about it. In California and Maryland, they're talking about murdering babies after they're born. Uh, I mean, like I said, that's a crime. That's that's infanticide. 
And when you look at what they're proposing, they want to be able to murder babies by dismemberment all the way up to the time of birth. If a soldier, sailor, airman, marine goes out on a battlefield and dismembers uh, an enemy soldier, guess what? They're going to jail. But now all of a sudden what we're saying is that it's absolutely fine to do that in the womb. Uh, I'm very concerned about this because what it shows is that they're spooked by the left and the left is going to continue to, to say this. Instead, we should be going on the offense and saying, if you're the party about killing babies and murdering babies, if you're the party about dismembering babies, if you're the party of infanticide, if you guys are now the new apostles and acolytes of the Baal god Moloch, if you guys want to align yourselves with a position that is held by the satanic temple of America, knock yourselves out. But we are not going to stand for that because we believe that the first inalienable right endowed to us by the creator God is life, born and unborn. That's right. When you look at these pictures, you get a sense of what black life was like. Some of them look pretty prosperous. Divine Providence was clearly operating in the lives of black Americans. Throughout history, black folks were honorable. They had integrity. That's what black people were. We were never taught that America was bad and that we were not Americans. We were raised to love America. Protesters topple a statue of Christopher Columbus and hundreds of statues of vandalized. We see people trying to rewrite history. The American people know these names have to go. Why is that? Whenever you have something to be proud of, people have less of a chance of controlling you. This country is racist from top to bottom, from right to left. And for black people to become a part of that is for them to become, in fact, anti-black and to hate themselves. There is no country in this world that a black person would rather be. Unless, of course, they grow up in this country. You broke the contract for 400 years. We then they're fed a lie that is so deceptive. The reason that that lie exists is power. There are certain people who are using the Negro in order to establish that power in Washington. And the Negro is just merely a pawn in a game that's bigger than he is. In Uncle Tom 2, and something that you've mentioned a number of times, uh, the rate for intact families in the Black community has dropped dramatically. Mm -hmm. What must we do to restore those rates? Well, get the progressive socialists out of control and stop allowing them to, you know, undermine and destroy the traditional nuclear family. Uh, when I look at an organization like Black Lives Matter, who said that, you know, they don't believe in the traditional nuclear family. It's an extension of white supremacy. You know, I was born in 1961 in a Blacks only hospital. And if you look at the two parent household in the Black community at that time, we're talking about close to, you know, between 75 and 80%. Now it's completely flipped. Now you only have 24% of uh, Black children have a mother and a father in the home. And guess what? It started with Lyndon Baines Johnson, his great society, War on Poverty, when he said that the government will give a check to a woman that has a child out of wedlock, uh, regardless of how many children she has out of wedlock. But the caveat was that there cannot be a man, a working man in the home. So government undermined and destroyed that entity which had held the black community together through some really horrific uh, periods. And it's incredible when you see those things in the documentary Uncle Tom, uh, and you ask yourselves, why did it change? Because everyone's out there running around saying, you know, slavery is so bad and we need reparations and, and all of these things. But then look at how the black community was, even though we still had segregation out there. You had black owned businesses and, and thriving and successful yes. people. You had strong churches. So why now all of a sudden we're playing this victimization game and, and what have you when my parents didn't play victim? My parents, you know, back in 1959, bought their own home 
And and I remember the day that my dad paid it off and, and the joy that he had in, in doing so. So why what happened with black home ownership and, and the traditional nuclear family? So that's the great thing uh, with the documentary Uncle Tom 2, because it talks about the infiltration of Marxism, socialism into the black community and how it has absolutely destroyed it, first starting with the decimation of the traditional nuclear family. And, you know, just like we talked about at the top of the show with um, the sexualization of children and this whole drag queen story hour thing um, where Christians need to stand up, it really is about parents modeling, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you and Angela have been married 33 years. You're a week ahead of, of Stro and I, uh, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, I think that's part of it, you know, cause now it's like, yeah. Oh, well, you know, you uh, burned dinner last night, so we're going to get a divorce or whatever it is. You know, it's just any old thing, you know, people are not standing up through the, the ups and downs of marriage. Not every, I mean, the Christian life is not without struggle. Marriage is not without struggle. We don't want to put in the hard work that we need to put in to, for things. Churches are not standing up. No. You know, we're, we're not uh, talking about living together before marriage. We're not talking about abortion. I mean, I, I'm saying by and large. I mean, there, obviously there are some congregations that do. You've been handing out Tomahawk Awards, um, you know, for people that will stand up and talk about uh, a lot of these issues and stand for um things that, that, that are biblical issues. And so we are not seeing that. I mean, I don't like using the expression, the black church, because I believe that Jesus died for all of us, but as a historical institution, mm-hmm. what it stood for, um, you know, it was a strong institution, but we're not seeing that anymore. We're seeing that placating it, you know, tickling of the ears kind of thing. Yeah. And we need to get back to talking about these issues because I think that's where it starts. It starts with parents modeling and also the church standing up for what we need to do to get some of the those rates back into um, what we stood for as a very proud black community where you said thriving businesses and all of these other the generational wealth, mm-hmm. all of these other types of things that were things to be proud of. No, you're absolutely right. And and again, it does start in the home. It starts in the church. It starts in the communities. But you have so many pastors in, in the black community, let's put it that way, that have sold out their congregations. And, and you just brought up that great verse from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 5, where they're just out there tickling people's ears and they're just mm-hmm. enriching themselves. I mean, how many people run around Reverend Dr. This, Reverend Dr. Yes. That? And they're not doing anything. Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, what have you. They're just leading their flocks uh, to the slaughter. And so I think it's so important that we reestablish God's word first and foremost. And the congregation's got to rise up and say, we want people that are going to preach the word of God. We want people that are going to stand up for something. Uh, and, and you have to do it with courage. I mean, that's the very first ingredient to leadership is, is courage. And God told Joshua to be strong and of good courage for Lord, that God should not leave you nor forsake you. So what are we afraid of, especially the pastors? And we've got to stop conforming to the culture. We've got to stop believing that, uh, you know, we can't say certain things. And, and again, that comes back to, to Lyndon Johnson. This, this whole thing about, you know, losing your tax exempt status and, and what have you. I mean, it was Lyndon Johnson when he was a senator that brought this about. Why? Because pastors were the ones out there talking about the civil rights movement and he wanted to shut it down. He did not want them to get engaged in quote unquote political uh, issues of speech. And so now our pastors, white, black, whatever, uh, have become paralyzed and, and and afraid. And that's not what the spirit of the Lord calls us to be. So you're supposed to stand up for what is right. You're not supposed to worry about the consequences or the ramifications thereof, because, you know, the one that you serve is greater than the one that's out there in the world. But there are some people who don't believe that. Well, and isn't that the tactic that uh, Margaret Sanger used with the Negro Project? Mm-hmm. Let's get a minister, mm-hmm. right? Yes to talk about this. We don't want them to know that we're trying to eradicate the human weeds and undesirables. No, you're, you're absolutely, I mean, you can go back and see the quote where she said that, that she was going to convert and enlist the pastors in the black community to buy into this. And guess what? 70 mm-hmm. to 75%, that's right. 70 to 75% of Planned Parenthood clinics are in black communities. Now the black pastors should be furious and they should be standing up. Some are, but most aren't. And they're, again, leading their innocent lives to the slaughter. And, and you look, those pastors are going to have some blood on their hands. 
you know, I would not want to be them because I think it talks about in the Bible, woe be unto those who would, you know, harm a child. It's like having a millstone about your neck and cast into the sea. I'm a scuba diver. You ain't going to do real well swimming with a millstone mm -hmm. around your neck. Yeah. And it talks about teachers having the, the greater condemnation. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Um, Italy's new prime minister, a mm. conservative woman, Georgia yep. Maloney is being excoriated by the American media as the new Mussolini, uh, <laughs> or even worse, the next Trump. In fact, uh, President Trump and you yourself, uh, as we discussed last time, uh, you were here, uh, were uh, deplatformed and uh, uh censored and we're hearing uh that this viral video that has gone uh, out about uh prime minister maloney uh has been taken down for those pesky uh undefined uh community violations yeah. uh so based on the little we know so far of her uh do you think her election is a good sign uh for conservatism in europe and even uh here mm -hmm. in the united states no, absolutely. I, I wholeheartedly do. Not just in Italy, but also in Sweden, Hungary, and the new prime minister in England. And that is what has chills going down the spines of the progressive socialist <laughs> left, because they always say we need to be more like Europe. Well, Europe is saying we don't want to be like the way that you're going, uh, because people want to be free. People don't want to be locked in and locked down. And how interesting it is that they're always the ones that are pointing the finger and calling constitutional conservatives, you know, the fascists and, and all of this. But yet, who are the ones that are shutting down, you know, free speech and free expression? It's them. They're, yeah. they're the real fascists. And so when you just had Hillary Clinton come out and uh, refer to <laughs> attendees at a, at a Trump rally as Nazis, well, Hillary, I hate to remind you that Nazis stood for National Socialists. OK, conservatives are not socialists. We don't believe in wealth redistribution, nationalizing economic production. We don't believe in the, the welfare nanny state and the creation thereof. We don't believe in social egalitarianism and we don't embrace secular humanism. That's who they are. They're the real fascists. I mean, a group like Antifa, supposed to be anti-fascist, but yet they go around beating up people that uh, they dissent with and don't don't want to hear any uh, other types of opinions, thoughts, perspectives or insights. That's fascism. That's what the brown shirts did uh, under Hitler and, and Nazi Germany. So we need, again, coming back to what you had asked me about earlier, why are Republicans saying these things? Why are Republicans yeah. just sitting back, the elected officials, and just allowing the left to go out and say these things? Now, Ms. Maloney, I tell you what, she's tough and she's not good. She doesn't care. You can call her whatever you want. But she's going to stand on principles of truth. And we need to have more people that are standing up and saying, you know something, you're, you're going after her. You, you don't see her as breaking the glass ceiling because you don't like conservative minorities. You don't like conservative women who stand up on, on the truths and principles and values of, of how to have a functioning you know, republic or a functioning constitutional uh, entity. Uh, and so I think it's, it's very important that we start to push back against the left and stop allowing them to, to dictate and dominate the narrative. But right now, Marie, they are scared about what is going on because they don't have an answer for it other than the fact that vote for Democrats and they'll stop hurricanes, which I'm still trying to understand. <laughs> uh, and to expand on that point a little bit uh, about uh, fascism and uh Marxism. Uh, Colonel West's latest column is at theacru.org, and he expands on that a little bit. So if you get a chance to check that out, please do. Um, now, with the midterms approaching, many of us are turning to an organization you founded, the Guardian Fund, yeah. where voters can find uh, and support a list of veteran, uh, uh, a list of veteran and minority candidates. Tell us more about the work and mission of the Guardian Fund. Well, it's very simple. Uh, you know, we created a decade ago and we just recently had the 10th anniversary up there in Washington, D.C. And it was all about making sure that we can get true, dedicated military minority conservatives elected to office at the federal government level. Because I remember back in 2008, uh, coming back from Afghanistan and I threw my hat in to run for Congress down in South Florida. I went up to talk to the folks at the National Republican Congressional Committee. And the first thing out of the guy's mouth was, you know, how much are you going to self-fund to your campaign? And I just looked at him and said, dude, I just came back from Afghanistan. 
Okay. And, and I, you know, I, I spent 22 years, you know, active duty service and I just spent two and a half years as a civilian military advisor to the Afghan army. I, I can't write a check to a campaign, but I'm here to tell you that I understand where we're heading as a nation. I took a note to the constitution. I understand these issues. Here's my educational background. I'd love to have you guys support us. Well, thanks, but no thanks. And that was it. Uh, and so I was committed once, you know, I came back and won in 2010 to never allow anyone to be in that position where they have it in their heart that this is something they want to do, but yet they're not supported. And, and you know, I, you can go back and talk to Dan Bongino. I remember Dan Bongino came to uh, my congressional office because he wanted to run uh, for a congressional seat there in Maryland. I was like, absolutely, I'll support you wholeheartedly. Went up there and did events for him. And so instead of us going out and, and looking for all of the people that fit a certain criteria uh, that makes the people up in Washington, D.C. comfortable, we got to start looking for those men and women who have been willing to make the last full measure of devotion, because I think that makes a difference. When you take a note to the Constitution, you're willing to lay your life down for it. That's the kind of person we need to have up in Washington, D.C. Speaking of which, we have another person who made um, an oath to the Constitution. And as you say, that doesn't expire. And he's here with us today. We have Tony Saab, who is a 25-year oh. veteran of the United States military, yeah. and uh, uh, from which he retired as colonel. He's a rising figure in the Florida GOP and in the media. And he's with us today. So we'll bring him on in. No, don't bring me in. I'm enjoying listening to my buddy. Please. <laughs> nah, nah, see, see, now I got to go do push-ups because he outranks me, see? <laughs> oh, 30. Drop and do 30. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we wanted to do a little bit of a reunion here before the Colonel That's takes cool. off. Well, I well, thank I, you uh, so much. I, I have to tell you that uh, without this man being by my side, uh, as I was trying to run for uh, Orange County mayor, I wouldn't have gotten as far as I did. So... Uh, he is a dear friend, and um, I'm just glad to be here to uh, just be in his presence. Well, like I said, Tony is a fantastic man, and, you know, he and I, you know, chewed up the same dirt. I mean, we started out together as field artillery officers, and he was smarter than me. He went over and started flying helicopters. I continued to jump out of them. Uh, but what a great, you know, guy to be ready to step up and do great things there in the state of Florida. Uh, and, and I just want to say, Tony, you know, be safe. I know that you're hunkering down there in Alabama yes. while that storm hits there in Florida. So I pray all yeah. the blessings for you and your family and all the people down in the state of Florida. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I've talked to a number of my uh, good friends down there and also some that worked on my campaign. And, uh, you know, they're hunkered down because this is yeah. going to be one of the big ones. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. So God bless you, man. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Great listening to you. Wow. <laughs> Before you peel off, Colonel West, please tell yeah. us how we can find and follow you online. Well, heck, Marie, you know most of the stuff. You work with my social media, so <laughs> yes, uh, you can follow me on all the social media platforms. Of course, go to theacru.org, the American Constitutional Rights Union, and also uh, look up the Committee to Support and Defend. Uh, that is America's conservative veterans organization. We want to make that the premier organization for conservative veterans. There's so many things we got to work on. We talked about some of those things earlier in the interview. And Thank don't forget for the, pod, the podcast, Steadfast and Loyal. Please uh, tune into that as well. Perfect. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you again next month. Lord My Willie. pleasure. Army strong, Tony. Rangers lead the way, Al. All the way and then some. Who? <laughs> Um, so welcome to the show, Colonel Saab. Thank you, Maria. Thank you very much. And I, uh, I really did enjoy the last parts of listening to, uh, to Al in, in that conversation because it is, it's so poignant right now what's happening in our country. That is right. Now, talk us through your journey. How did a kid from Newark, New Jersey, end up with a 25-year military career and two bronze medals, two bronze stars, and uh, three combat air medals? Well, I, I'll tell you, it, it all started because I've had, I had this dream about um, flying all my, my, whole, my whole life. Um, no one in my family besides uh, some of my... Uh, my older cousins were in Vietnam, many of them, because during that period of time, as you know, they took in a lot of uh, black, 
black young men from the inner city. I was being from North New Jersey. A lot of them went in, but uh, I had never had anyone that uh, I knew in my immediate uh, uh, relationships and families that uh, went in. So it was all about flying to me. And uh, the gateway to it for me was the military. So when I went in, I decided that that was what I wanted to do. But at the time, uh, Army Aviation was uh, in its infancy. It wasn't even a branch. Uh, as you know, the Air Force spawned out of the uh, Army and went towards the Air Force, the Army Air Corps. So the only thing in the Army were helicopters. Uh, I uh, had the idea of going in the Army and doing all the hard stuff first and then hoping that I could move over to aviation at, at some point. And that's exactly what I did. Uh, I, I was a... Uh, I was airborne. I was a ranger qualified. I did all those things that were difficult. As Al said, I was in the artillery. And uh, finally, I, I moved over to aviation, as Al said, and uh, stayed there for some 22 years uh, flying for uh, 101st Airborne Division, 82nd Airborne Division. And I'm um, quite proud of it, quite proud of what I was able to accomplish. According to a report on NBC, Quote, every branch of the United States military is struggling to meet its fiscal year 2022 recruiting goals and numbers show both a record low percentage of young Americans eligible to serve and an even tinier fraction willing to consider it, end quote. Why do you think this is so and how should it be changed? I think the first thing you have to start with with something like that, Marie, would be leadership. The second thing you would have to uh, look at is parenting. And then the third thing would have to be our uh, society as a whole. Um, the reason why I say leadership is because we've had uh, a number of leaders that have been at the national and the state levels that have not really been embracing our defense posture. And by that, I mean building up our ROTC programs, building up the idea of uh, serving your country, be, building up the idea of being proud of your country. Look, I can remember growing up having a dad that told me, son, we may not have it good here. He said, but I'm telling you right now, this is the best place for you to be in this in the world and to have an opportunity to be somebody. That's what my father said to me many, many years ago. I never, never forgot that. And that just, I don't know, it just was one of those things that uh, I grew up understanding how proud it was to be an American. We are missing that. We are also missing the idea that our country is a leader in the world. And by that, I mean a leader in the world of doing the right things for societies and oligarchs in other countries that don't want to treat their people with dignity and respect. We've always been that type of a country. You know, like Reagan said, beacon on a hill. We, mm -hmm. the shining city on a hill, we, we have lost that. And at, in losing something like that, what happens is, our culture within this country starts to change. And I think that's what's happened to our young men, young uh, adults. We've taken physical education out of, out of schools. Yeah. We've done all those things to hurt what it takes to have a strong defense and strong military. Now, according to some, like our mutual friend, Colonel West, uh, the United States military is being undermined by wokeism. Uh, including recommending books that attack capitalism and promote critical race theories and efforts by uh, Defense Secretary Austin to root out, quote, political extremism, end quote. What impact is this woke campaign having on the military, in your opinion? Absolutely. It's, I, I, can't, I don't even have an adjective to tell you how repressive this idea is. General Austin, by the way, well, Secretary Austin now, I worked for him. I, I know him. Um, he was in the 82nd Airborne when I was there. He was a man I looked up to, Marie. Uh, I would never have thought that his ideas were so far away from mine, so far-fetched from mine. Um, this wokeism has infiltrated into all the services within our military. Yes. Um, no, there's not been one service that has been uh, spared from it. And what we're now looking at is a culture within our, our military where the leadership, the leadership is on a path to make sure that everyone thinks the same way that they do. And that's very important to understand because we've never had something like that in our military. Now we have every institution within our government that has been taken over by 
partisanship that has been taken over by ideas that have lost their individuality. So we have people that think the same. And whenever you have something like that, what you create is weakness. And what you also create are segments within our structure and now our military that can't find the best best person for the job and likely will probably not be able to accomplish the mission. Look, we've got right now 100,000 service members that are going to be dismissed from our military because they won't take the jab, Marie. Yes. This is significant. At a time when our attrition, as you've already said, is at its lowest. And I don't know how we're going to be able to get that back with continuing to kick out people that will make a difference in especially the training and readiness of our force. That's absolutely right. If you're just joining us, our guest this segment has been Tony Saab. Tony, what's next for you and how can our listeners find you online? Well, uh, I wish I could tell you, as described by uh, by Al, when, uh, you know, being being military officers, you don't make a lot of money. But Marie, I will tell you that the reason why I became uh, interested in running for uh, office was because of all of the things that we're We've been talking about now uh, and also with uh, when you were talking about it with uh, with Colonel West was happening to our country. I didn't have the funds to do it, but you know what I did? I I emptied out a lot of my family treasury to do it. Uh, And I did it that way because I wanted people to understand the passion that I had for trying to do something to change the direction at the county level so that we can continue to change it at, at, at larger and larger scales within our government. Because I believe that's where we got broke at, at the local level. I believe that it's our mayors, our sheriffs, and our education boards, all of those different entities were allowed to run amok and we've lost our way at those low levels. And those people have now been elevated to state and federal levels and they're running our country. Yes. So in my idea of trying to serve, I took a lot of my family treasury out of uh, out of pocket to run for this office because it's not cheap. And uh, that same question was asked to me by the Republicans and they ostracized me as well. Uh, They they gave me very little, if any, support. Now, there are entities within the uh, the uh, Republicans that that did help me, but they were outside of the actual uh, official Republican Party. So what's next for me is to rebuild my uh, my personal uh, effects in, in Treasury that I've lost and continue to stay active within the political uh, stem of uh, of government within within Florida. Well, thank you for doing that. And thank you for your service to this country. You and Colonel West and men like you are more needed now than ever. Well, thank you, Marie. I really appreciate it. I appreciate being on today and uh, God bless your listeners. Thank you. And now it's that part of the show where we bring in DK. Come on in. Hello. There he is. Hello. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. So you've heard the show today. What is what's standing out for you? Um, First of all, there was two great Two great men, two great guests. I enjoy both interviews. But I wanted to hit upon some numbers I want to underscore about illegal immigration. So here it is. Since Biden took office, we have had nearly 5 million illegals enter the country, including approximately 1 million gotaways. Those are illegals who aren't, aren't arrested, aren't encountered by border agents and so forth. They just came in snuck through, found a place to be. Um, of the illegals who were encountered, there included over a quarter million children and minors. We have seen uh, Venezuela decide to release their prisoners, the worst of the worst, so they so that they can migrate to the United States because why not? You know, why have prisoners in your country if you can send them to our country? That's right. Okay, we've seen um, 80,000 deaths a year in the United States due to uh, drugs such as heroin, uh, fentanyl, cocaine that is routinely smuggled through the United States. It's 80,000 deaths a year. We are on pace to see over 800 illegals die entering this country. 
they die in the desert. We had um, an incident maybe a month or so ago where over 50 migrants died of suffocation because they were packed like sardines into the back of a truck and yeah. they had no air conditioning. They, they uh, uh, smothered and they died. And then and that also includes uh, children. We saw a story maybe a few weeks ago, uh, a few young kids, uh, maybe two or three years old. They tried to make it with their parents, I presume, over the across the Rio Grande. And the authorities found them on the beach. They had drowned and they, the bodies washed up the shore. We see uh, 14 to 17,000 illegals forced into slavery, either debt slavery. That's when you have to um, work at a low paying job to pay off your coyote some exorbitant, mm-hmm. exorbitant fee with uh, a high interest rate. So if I get smuggled into the United States, I owe my coyote $10,000 or $30,000, whatever the number is, it, it, and he charges me at a certain interest rate and all, and he forces me to work a job where I make maybe $100 a week, that's, that's, that's slavery. There's also uh, sex slavery, which is a huge money-making uh, franchise for these uh, coyotes. They force yeah. uh, young women, girls as young as uh, 12, 13 years old into prostitution. And rape is so common at the border among illegals that we're hearing stories that parents of young children and the women, the mothers themselves, they all take contraceptives on the presumption that they'll be raped before they get to the United States. And I want to mention Mm. the most outrageous and the most tragic number of all we have seen recently that there have been 53 migrants flown into Martha's Vineyard. That 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 last that right there, I think, is truly tragic. It's uh, it's well deserving of all the media attention we've been getting. So I just wanted to read that. <laughs> um, no, and, and you know the the whole thing that you mentioned about um, the sex the the sex slavery. Um, it, you know, I saw this horrific picture uh, of something called a rape tree where they actually memorialize uh, the act and it is absolutely horrific. And the, the, the STD rates amongst, I, I, they're babies. They're like, you know, children, 11, 12 years old, STD rates. Um, and people just, you know, uh, having their children, uh, these unaccompanied minors go with these coyotes and all of these types of things. It truly is tragic. It really, really is utterly tragic. And I don't know what all of the answers are, but I certainly know that we make it so attractive. Why wouldn't you try to have, to come to a country where there are things as, you know, amazing as we have it in this country. But I think the thing we need to really try to focus on is trying to help by modeling what good government is so that people can emulate that in their own countries. As we're seeing all of these countries elect leaders that are representative. And and as as I mentioned, um, Alan's column this week at the ACRU talks about a representative democracy, um, you know, a constitutional republic where people are able to elect the type of government that they want to represent them. And that's something that we need to be that beacon, as Tony Saab mentioned, that beacon on the hill for people to see. Yes, uh, speaking of the political ramifications, the the saddest thing of all to me throughout the illegal immigration crisis is that it's a it's a American made crisis, and the reason for the crisis is because white liberals want brown skinned immigrants to come to red states to turn them blue. That's what it's all about. That's so profound. the numbers I've read that. The human cost of the uh, among the illegal community, the cost of illegals to the black and brown American community, African Americans, Hispanics who are here legally in terms of wages, employment, and so forth, has been uh, tremendous. There's been studies on this, so people like us, we're suffering this disproportionately. The illegals are suffering, 
And it's all to benefit the white liberal uh, neo-Marxist agenda. That's absolutely right. Well, I'm Marie. I'm DK. And this has been another episode of African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement. Until next time. <laughs>